And tonight, the message is the power of discerning. We want to um, dig in deep, so we're going to be using quite a few scriptures, and you'll probably hear the paper rattling a few times, uh, but it's all for the good of the message. Turn with me tonight to the book of 1 Corinthians, and begin with the 11th chapter and the 20th verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse, pardon me, 1 Corinthians, yeah, chapter 11, verse 20. That's it. All right, we've got you now. Okay, here's what it says. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before the other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise you the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And, he, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped it, saying, This cup is the New Testament, in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Let's start from there because that's covering a lot. It um, is interesting to even need to imagine how that originally the communion or the the idea of coming together with the Eucharist was of a nature that people would just bring a meal to church. And some of them had uh, their liquors along with it. And so some people, I guess, were quite celebrant with the uh, luxury and the... Uh, abundance of food that they had, and they just made a feast out of it. And others, of course, if they didn't have, they would just sit there and wait for everybody to get their eating out of way so they could go ahead with the uh, other uh, religious part of the of the service. <clears throat> now, Paul came to know about this via a rumor, and uh, he uh, wrote in his letter to them, uh, this excerpt that I read to you, which is only part of what he wrote, we'll be reading more. But in that uh, excerpt, in, in, in the, those scriptures, there are some absolutely outstanding things. And um, we want to, to get into that tonight uh, for this subject, the power of discerning. And you'll see how this all applies before uh, you know we take this up the road a bit with all of the um, input 
that we will have to um, to uh, transassimilate into your minds. <clears throat> okay, let's just look at a few of these things. <clears throat> All right, um, some things that I found intriguing and very interesting. Uh, he he broke the bread and said, "Take and eat. This is my body." Now, it is, it, is, it is such a beautiful, powerful teaching, uh, calling those things that are not as though they are. <coughs> Excuse me. Even taking it further. Even taking it further to, to um, transimpose something from a physical uh, symbolism to something of a much higher order to put it into a supersedence. And that's what was being done when he was taken uh, just bread and said, okay, this is my body. That was quite quite a move up from grass because grass, you might say, is what the bread is made out of, wheat, you know, which is in the grass family. <clears throat> and then to take the... Um, you know, to, to, to take whatever it was that um, that uh, they were drinking. Um, and, uh, you know, he said, um, after this manner, he took the cup. And they didn't just say right there at this time what was in that cup. Uh, but that's left open for uh, all kinds of uh, imagination and teaching. Uh, and um, it says, um, this cup is the New Testament. Now, we have to consider what is the New Testament. Some would say, well, there's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. Well, probably that was not, to any degree, what it was talking about. Um, you know, a, a testament is um, uh, something that uh, people express in their, uh, in their will. And uh, they, you know... Uh, if they pass from this life, they they make a testament, and it has to do with their will, their wish for how things are to pass on uh, to their kindred or family or friends. Uh, but the unusual part about it is that uh, the the uh, the cup uh, is the testament in my. Is, is the New Testament in my blood. Now, when a person applies something by saying, is the New Testament in my blood, then you immediately get, you immediately get the, a presentation that, oh, then there must have been an Old Testament that had been in your blood that is being replaced by this New Testament in your blood. Because how does something become new if it is not it is not an item that is replacing something that is old? Now, to me, that's a really big, 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 big revelation. Because what is the Old Testament? What is the New Testament? If you were to take and apply the Bible and say, well, the Old Testament used to be what I believed... But now I'm into the New Testament. Well, the New Testament at this point hadn't even been written. So obviously this Testament thing was something 
that that had to do with a lot of um, of things about the teachings of Jesus Christ and the will of, of of the Lord, and and some very divine oracles, and and there were there were older t- uh, Testament revelations, there were older oracles, but those were being moved out. And there was new oracles that had come into his blood, which the blood means life, into his life. And it indicates that this was a new plan. There was a new plan being put into his life uh, for his presentation of the giving of that life. Now, There was originally a plan, and that plan was for the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. And that was the original plan for salvation and and for life. Uh, but that didn't work out. That got canceled uh, by transgression and, and various other uh, negative in, uh, uh, entries that came into the, the picture. And that remained there until there could be something to to transplant it. There had to be a transpose, but there had to be an action that was powerful enough and great enough to transpose and and make that translation to a change. And the translation to a change was from the Old Testament concept for salvation to the New Testament concept. That was in the blood. And that's where you'd find it. You're not really going to find that, uh, you know, anywhere else but in the blood, in the life, in the life of Jesus. Now, I find that to be very beautiful and very fulfilling and very satisfying. I know there's a scripture that says in the last chapter of of the book of John, if all the things were written that should be written, I suppose that not even the world could contain it. So we know that as far as the spoken word and the written word, that it's almost like an infinity. It's, it's, it's boundless. It goes on and on and on. And if all the things were written that should be written... Not even the world could comprehend it. The world as a collective consciousness. Because after all, we'll find as we get along a ways in this book and chapter that we're reading that um, this collective consciousness concept is part of the plan of God. And, and it is worked into this whole message of salvation. And if you leave that out of the picture, you're leaving something out that is part of the plan. So this New Testament incorporates a lot of things, and it's in the blood. And that is the place that you're going to find it. And if you're not into understanding the Holy Communion, or if you like to call it Eucharist, then you're, you're, you're blindsided from being able to uh, receive the fullness of the measure of the power of the revelation of the New Testament. And we're not talking the New Bible Testament. We're talking something different. 
You see, you had the tree of life, and then you had the transgression, and you had you had the failure of, of, of humans doing things, the sons of God lusting after the the daughters of men, brought on the flood. Then you had a continue a continuation of sin and there was nothing that was provided for people. And the only thing that was provided for people was, as the Bible put it, that God, in Christ, even before Christ came into a body, was already, in His love and mercy and planning, making reconciliation for all of those people who were in transgression and who, who were in sin, to, to, recon uh, to reconcile them uh, to salvation, understanding that, that they had now, due to the circumstances that had, had evolved, uh, been put out of a plan for salvation. Then along comes Jesus Christ, and he lives his whole life from childhood on up to about 33 years or so uh, before he comes to this final place of the ultimate revelation of this New Testament at that, that is revealed to be in his blood, in his life. And we really have to get that episode because that is so transcending. It is just absolutely beautifully transcending. And this is the cup. There's that song <clears throat> that goes, Here's my cup, Lord. I hold it up, Lord. It's like that. With all the meaning of this scripture and this verse. And in my blood, this do ye. And as often as you, as you drink it, in remembrance of me. I don't think that most people understand the, the Holy Communion. I don't think that most people understand the Eucharist. And I'm referring to the priests and, and, the, and the pastors and the ministers. I don't say that there's no one else out there that, that uh, does not understand it. I'm not saying that, nor believing that. But I'm thinking that generally as a group, there is a, a, a massive failure and, and it's a serious causation for a lot of very negative things that are happening in, in the world today among the people that are supposed to be believers. And we're going to get into that. And he says, what this is about is remembrance of me. Remembrance of me. Now, that remembrance... When you begin to take it back in time and go backwards to the to the Alpha Revelation and all the way through to the Omega Revelation, uh, you get into the revelation of who Jesus Christ was as Yahweh before he came here and and they began the creation of life on this planet, this planet called Earth. And this was done in Remembrance, because the whole story there, the whole destiny is there. The whole Word of God, the whole plan of God, 
because God always has a plan that's ready to step in for any other plan that for particular reasons or failures does not go through, does not go over. So he always has another plan. And one of the the very dependable plans that was available was God's only begotten Son called Jesus Christ. Oh, how I love that person. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as often as you eat this, this bread, as often as you drink from the cup, as often as you eat the bread, which he said, I am the bread of life. I am the manna come down from heaven, not as the manna that was given out in the days of, of Moses. But if you eat of this bread that I have, it is the bread of life. You will live forever. It has eternal justification in it. Now, <clears throat> do this in remembrance of me. How short-sighted people have been because they have not understood what it was about. Basically, people have, interp have interpreted it that it was to remember his suffering on the cross and how he died on the cross, and that's what that was about. But I don't believe that, and that's not how I see the Scripture. And I don't want to be hardcore to say that in the way that some of these scriptures were written, that it has a, a certain kind of uh, ingredient that makes it possible for people to be led astray on that subject. I think, that, I think there is some truth to that. Often as you eat this bread and drink this blood, do it in remembrance of me. It's, it's, it's life and body. Life and body substance. It's the life that is in you of, of your spirit, of your soul, of your will, and your body of flesh. That is the temple of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Temple of God. Now this preposition comes up in verse uh, 20, 26. For. And this is a leading word because it's like because or for this reason. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Now the people that I read to you about earlier, they were having feast. And some of them were getting drunken. And some had an abundance of food to eat and, and others didn't have hardly anything. And that was their revelation of the communion just come together and have a meal in the church. And Paul said, what is the matter with you people? 
What is going on with your people? Where is your vision? Where is your spirituality? Don't you have homes to eat in? Don't you realize that that's not a sacred thing to do? That's not a holy sanctum to be just having your regular meal in the church? That's not the intent of the revelation. And it's so sad to see how people get get way, way off course. How people get totally confused and misled and confused in, in, in so many different aspects of their thinking. It's sad. And they were very confused. Can you imagine someone getting drunk? Having a communion? And that happening and acceptable under the people who were the bishops and the pastors of those churches at the time. Until Paul came along and he said, My God, people, what are you doing? This is serious. If you want to have a meal, have your meal at home in your house. But that is not the intent of this revelation. That is not what this revelation is about at all. And so that's so important. That's so absolutely revelatory. And they began to realize that they had to make a change. He says, for as often as you eat this and, you know, this, this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, I'm sure that that scripture has caused a lot of people to miscalculate the intent of this, of this meaning. And I think that, you know, it's caused people to pronounce and repronounce and uh, reiterate and reiterate over and over and over again the suffering on the cross. But, you know, I for a long time have been shown by the Holy Spirit that uh, the work that was done is done, and Jesus came off the cross. And I, thought, I find it far more important to show that, that Jesus arose and that, that there was a resurrection than to concentrate every time you come to church, every time you have a, a Eucharist or a Holy Communion, that it's about someone's blood that they shed and about some suffering and about dying and about what happened in the tormenting uh, process of the crucifixion. The fact of the matter is, is the real revelation that this death is talking about is not the death of Jesus Christ, except as he acts as a proxy for the people. It's really about the death of the people, which takes place when they trans-assimilate the life of Jesus Christ, which is the blood, and the body life of Jesus Christ, which is the, the bread, into their minds and 
and configurations of, of, of uh, living their lives. And when they do that, one of the things that they will find that has been that is a provisio provisio for for them is a reconciliation by God for the forgiveness of their sins and this 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 eternal justification so that it has been reconciled not by anything that they can earn by merit or by work or by anything that they do, but by grace, they are reconciled unto Jesus Christ only if they recognize Him as that instrument, as that tool, as that love, as that gift, as that person. Once they recognize that, they immediately then, by that association, are brought right into the reconciliation, right into the eternal justification, right into... The, the death for them being proxied by Jesus Christ. So when that death is proxied by Jesus Christ for them, that's, that's the thing that you're really remembering. And, and we need to understand that that's why as, as long as we we drink the cup and show the Lord's death till He come, that that is applicable to our lives. Jesus in the baptism for us. Jesus in the, in the death for us. And we'll have a lot of Scripture to add to this. But before I, I bear down on that, let's go on with these Scriptures. Verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Wow. There's something really powerful about that statement. This was a real message to the, the church at Corinth. Telling them, hey, what you're doing with this communion is anti-holy, it's anti-sacred. You can't play with these kind of things. This is about the whole redemption of the church. The whole redemption of the fallen ovenim. This is not a game. This is not a game we can play with. Wow. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, so he says, Whosoever, nobody gets left out of that scenario, that drinks and eats unworthily, can be eating and drinking damnation to himself, herself, not discerning the Lord's body. And that's in verse 29. Let's go back to verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. <coughs> but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the, that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, 
not discerning the Lord's body. And, and, and this is where I'm taking off with this teaching, the power of discerning. Because you can see in this instance that bred into the enfoldment and the manifolds of this scripture, there is such a serious recognition that is built and hinged onto the power of discerning. That if a person is not able to discern the Lord's body, it's, a, it's, an, it's an issue, it's a substance of damnation. And then get a load of this in verse 30. Preposition again. For, because, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, many die. You mean that how a person deals with or doesn't deal with this thing that people have been calling the Holy Communion, the Eucharist, which, <laughs> God bless all those that are trying, trying to do what they think is right, but that there is a seriousness to the truth of it. And that there's an examination that has to be done. The Bible says you've got to examine yourself to see whether you're worthy or not. Well, there are so many millions of people out there that are totally under condemnation all the time. You would have millions of people, if they really put this down in the order of which it is given here, that would not want to partake of the Lord's Supper because they would feel that they would for sure bring damnation to themselves and maybe to others also because they would feel that they were just not worthy. And perhaps they would be more worthy than anybody else. So how could these people ever become worthy? Well, you have to discern the body. You have to discern the death. If you don't discern the death, if you don't discern the body, then you are doing something like asking in prayer but missing the mark. You're straining at a gnat to swallow a camel. It's, it's very serious. Okay, now, so what is the answer? Well, it's the state of consciousness. It's, it's, this, it's this consciousness that a person has to come into, that they are under the grace of Jesus Christ, that they are under, under the reconciliation that's provided by God the Father and by Jesus Christ. And so that they are covered for their sins, they are covered by grace, and that there is nothing that they can do to earn, by merit, their salvation. Because everyone has sinned. There's not one person that has not sinned. The only one that's without sin is the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's the only instrument of love that can be used as a vessel through whom the multitudes can go through for their salvation. And it's such a beautiful, simple, easy thing. As you begin to take on, trans-assimilate the blood of Jesus Christ, the life that Jesus Christ lived in the flesh, the body of Jesus Christ, the body 
that Jesus Christ lived, how He lived in the flesh. And you acknowledge in your mind that as you are are taking this communion, this Eucharist, which, you know, it's a spiritual thing to begin with. You, you, could, you could even spiritually take the communion. We, we saw in an earlier example that I read to you how that uh, the Scripture gave the evidence of uh, something that... Um, uh, that didn't exist, uh, but was put into a, a state. Uh, and I, I think I, I, I said, um, when he said, pray, you know, when he broke the bread, he said, this is my body. So this thing that was um, a physical aspect of crop life and bakery goods, was transformed to being recognized as as an oracle of proxy for the actual literal body of Jesus Christ. And if that is possible, which it is, then it's also possible and not that that's, this would be an eternal substitute. I'm not creating that. But it is also possible that there would be times when a person could not have available any kind of a substance for um, doing a communion, and you would just need to do it spiritually. And create it as, and calling those things that are not as though they were, and believe me, it, it, it would be an acceptable substitute unto God. Now, discerning the body, discerning why people are sick, why people are weakly, why people are dying before their time. The scripture here says it's because people are not discerning the body. Now, the body is two things. Number one, the body is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and what it stands for, what it is proxy for, what it is substitute for, what it means in the empowerment of grace, the endowment that it offers for reconciliation. And the second part then would be the body of Christ as represented by the believers. And being able to discern because there is a parallel there. And, and although at some point far out in space beyond uh, time and recognition of physical sight, those parallels can come together to form a triangle, that be what it will be. And praise be to God for that. For all oracles that are divine in the ultimate end and resolution of things have a way of resolving together. And that I do believe. But in the meanwhile, there is a cause out there. Why people are sick. Why people are weak. And why many people are dying before their time. Because they do not have 
the power of discerning. You know, <clears throat> the gift of discerning is mentioned in chapter 12, this same area that you're in. You're in uh, chapter 11 and the next chapter of First Corinthians, chapter 12, uh, and, and verse 10 talks about the different gifts of the Spirit. And one of those, that is the gift of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit, the Holy, God, uh, Holy Ghost, is the discerning of spirits. Now, a lot of times I hear people say uh, discernment, uh, and they talk about discernment, but actually discernment is not a correct term to use. Discernment has really got to do about uh, uh, physical uh, uh, you know, things, that, ha that like in decisions about business, uh, decisions even about people, uh, and you have discernment as to uh, what those situations about those persons or the business is, and you make uh, you make decisions based on your discernment. Uh, but that is not the same thing. It's not the same uh, in its applicability as when we're talking about the discerning, because the discerning goes deeper than just the flesh. And as it as it mentions it in First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve, verse ten. It is the gift that is called discerning of spirits. So it's, it's not just your spirit that is discerning, but it's discerning spirit. So it's, it's going down, uh, you know, to, to uh, both the supersedent uh, height and, 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 and the, the sub-dominant uh, uh, level. And, and uh, it, is, it is characteristic of something of a spiritual nature uh, that is just not uh, a roll-off of the shoulder or uh, of the mind that the average person uh, is seated with. And so, therefore, it is something to really pay attention to in this teaching and to, and to really uh, give a very deep consideration as to the uh, uh, approach and as to the thought as to the application, uh, as to the desire and the will, and, and as to the opening of one's mind to uh, the wisdom and the knowledge of this uh, secret of revelation. So, let's go on and let's examine, you know, the, the full impact of this. Um, for there are people that are eating and drinking unworthily. And all they have to do to be worthy is to discern for a discerning of, of the body of Christ. What the body of Christ is. What the death of Christ is. The death of Christ isn't for himself. The death of, death of, death of Christ was for the people. And, and that is so evident and so absolutely revelatory of the Word of God throughout the Scriptures, as we will touch on as much of that as, as we can. Now, <clears throat> let's just uh, get an idea of this thing of the body of Christ uh, in the sense of the, the conscious mind of, of the, uh, the group, of the corporation. Uh, while we're in uh, a close proximity, we're at chapter 12, 
look at verse 14. Um, or let's actually start with um, verse 12. So chapter 12, verse 12 of First Corinthians. But all the essay, uh, for as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Now, what is the baptism about? There's the baptism of the dead. And if you really get into that baptism, you know, it's, it's the death of the old life and the renewal, the representation of the resurrection uh, uh, to, to eternal life. That's really what the baptism of water is about. And so, this is all part of what is contiguous of, of, of this teaching here in chapter 11. Because remember, in the original Greek and in the original Hebrew, there were no verses. There were no chapters. It was just continuous writ. And so, as we understand that, and we read this, for the body is not one member, but many. Wow. And we understand that this whole revelation, by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether you are Jews or Gentiles, whether you be bond or free, you have been, you have been all made to drink into one Spirit. To drink what? The cup. The communion. When you're taking the communion, you are drinking into one spirit. When you take the bread, you, you, you are transassimilating into one, one spirit, one body. And that's what the revelation, that's why it's such a serious thing, and, and there's a threat of damnation. If a person would get in there and start taking this as though it's just a meal or it's some little, uh, you know, entreat uh, to, to remember how much that Christ uh, suffered on the cross. When that's not the story that is, that is, that is giving or our, our, our the reading that is intended to be developed at all. It's just not the story. It's just not the revelation. It's not the oracle. It's not the manifestation. It's been missed. And because it's been missed, what's going on? People are sick. Lots of people are sick. Lots of people are weak. Lots of people are dying before their time. Because they have not discerned. They are not discerning the Lord's body. They don't understand really what the Lord's body is about, what that is about. They say, well, I, yeah, I know the body of the Lord. That was Jesus Christ. No, you're missing the game. You're missing the road. You're missing the path. And Jesus said, I didn't, I didn't come here for myself. I came here, and everything that I do, I don't do of my own self. I do according to what my Father in Heaven tells me to do. And, it's, and there's a scripture that actually says, he, My Father taught me how to lay down my life and how to, to resurrect from the dead. My Father taught me that. So there's a deep revelation here, a deep connection to this whole thing about the body. 
the Christ, the, the, the Christ life that Jesus came. He came for the purpose of salvation. And his very name, Jesus, <clears throat> and Christ, means the anointed one of salvation. Wow. We also notice now in the 12th chapter, and in the 26th verse, And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Do we need to say it any clearer than that? That is the real definition. That is the real embossed imprint that is meant to leave its impression in your mind, in your spirit, in your will, in your understanding. So that when you get into this transassimilation to the to the blood of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ, transassimilation to how he lived in his fleshly body on earth, and you transassimilate that. That doesn't mean you're copying every action <coughs> action of his um, of his um, um, you know personality. It, it doesn't mean that. <coughs> Blessed be the name of God. But but it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful what the Word is saying. Okay, um, let's look at Romans six three. Go to Romans six three. That uh, that's before Corinthians. So Romans six three, and let's see what that says. Romans six three. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized unto Jesus Christ <clears throat> were baptized unto His death? Are you getting the picture? Is there some simulation going on there in your brain, in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit? Everybody is baptized unto Christ. weren't baptized unto their own self. They were baptized unto Christ's death. Because Christ's death incorporates their death. That's what this Lord's death was. It was the, the proxy for all these people. And they had to discern the body of Christ to really be able to have the knowledge they should have for that to be applicable uh, for being applied uh, to their uh, eternal justification and salvation. Therefore, we are buried with Him by the baptism unto, unto death. Wow! Let's, let's read that number three again. Because, you see, it's, it's a, a question. It's not just a supposition. It's a challenge. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized unto His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also 
should walk in the newness of life. There's your, there's your New Testament in the blood. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the like, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Wow. We shall also be, or we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died in the sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon, like reconciliation, reconcile, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed into sin, but alive unto God, that sin may not reign in your mortal body. So, the thing of it is, is God is revealing that there's only one passage. There's only one gate. There's only one tunnel through to the other side. There's no other name been given among men whereby we can be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean there's not other great men that have lived. I think Buddha was a great man. Buddha made a prophecy. And Buddha said, 500 years hence from my life, and let me say it in just the more, li- more along the line of how he, he portrayed it. He said, I am not the one. I am not the one. But 500 years hence, the one shall come. And you know what? 500 years later from the time that he said that, according to the history that I have read, Jesus was born. Jesus came. He was the one. He was the one. And I think that's beautiful. And I give credit to Buddha for saying that and believing that and understanding that. And knowing that, I am not the one. But the one is coming. It's 500 years from now. But he is coming. That's beautiful stuff. I love that. <coughs> okay, now we see that we're buried with Christ in baptism. And, and, and we're buried with him in resurrection. That we have taken on his life. We have taken on his death. And, and though that we... can. People continue to sin because they are they are mortals. There there is a is a fact in the Bible that just being in this body of of flesh and blood, uh, the Bible says we we were born in iniquity, we were formed in iniquity, and sin. That 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 there there is a an antiism uh, against the Holy Spirit, the whole God. Uh, that just as the natural beast instinct in this fleshly body 
And uh, <clears throat> when we give ourselves to being redeemed and reconciled in Jesus Christ, and that this work is done, it, it is done, that, that we, we are taking the, the Eucharist, we are taking the Holy Communion, we are transassimilating the blood of His life, the, the, the physical body of life, unto ourselves. We are baptized unto His death and unto His resurrection. Then that sin that we have in our fleshly body, that, that we commit from day to day or year to year, is covered by the blood, by the life of Jesus Christ, the blood life of Jesus Christ. It's covered by, the, by that life, the life that he lived, not the blood that he spilt when he died, but the life that he lived is the power of redemption. And so we are without sin via the grace of Jesus Christ, via the opportunity of transassimilation, so that that even though there are sins that people have commit and that they err in, uh, those sins are not are not put against them. They have Christ immunity through the transassimilation of the life of Christ, being baptized in death with Him. They already have a passport. As long as they recognize the truth of that wonderful revelation, if they don't recognize it, then they have failed to discern the true story and the true opportunity and the true offering of the body of the Lord. They've missed that that was their, that was their trip, that was their opportunity out of all the, 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 the shame and, and the problems that are in this world of death and sin. And it is an incredibly important thing in the understanding of the power of discerning. Absolutely major. Praise the name of God. Okay, uh, while we're closer, let's look at Romans. Go back one. Look at Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> Verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, for a righteous man will, will one die, yet preventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Wow. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have received, we've now received the atonement. <clears throat> and then it gets 
into this causation term, wherefore, and it's connecting this statement that it just made about Christ, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now this gets into the whole story in which Adam came into the world, who Adam, the Bible says in Luke, is the Son of God, came into the world for one purpose, because all had sinned. This is before they were born, before there was any of these these humans with souls born on the earth. They had all sinned. And because they had all sinned, Adam came to open an aperture for human life in a mortal body so that sin that happened before this world, before Genesis, could be reconciled by bringing it into this world and into this into the mortal body, and by then bearing it into the mortal body, uh, that was the beginning of the opportunity for creating an episode that people could become subject to the tree of life. And whosoever ate of the tree of life would live forever, thus overcoming the sins that they had had produced and had been involved in prior to the, the creation of, of the world, of the earth. But then when that plan failed, because as it said, circumstances uh, pro- proceeded that eventually then caused there to be a, a covenant made that was not the original covenant. The first set of law that was given, which were called the Ten Words, were the, were the commandments of love. And then when Moses came down from the mountain and he saw that these people were just into the depths of depravity and sin, he took that those tablets of the of the laws of love and he broke them. He then ended up having to go back up the mountain and for a new set to be made. But all during this time of the of the journeys of Moses and the life of Moses and the people that followed him, they were under two different choices. Choose ye this day who you will serve. They were under the blessings or the curses. The blessings were about love, and the curses were about the seduction of the uh, of the moral uh, uh, zone of life. And when a person reads the scripture without the uh, you know the teaching, uh, and one day soon, Lord willing, I'll do a teaching on these um, um, th- these various arcs of the covenant. 
and uh, and and these uh, two different laws that were made. Because I know that when people read the scripture, they think it sounds that they were exactly the same. But what they have to understand is that uh, these laws were both laws that were pronounced by God. They both were uh, were 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 impressed on the tablet because underneath the code of love suppressed by that code of love was all of the negative laws of the curses so that they were both on but 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 not visible because they were they were under the suppression of the of the laws of love but then when that was broken and the new one was made it turned around the opposite way except for two of the, of the two of the commandments of love that God allowed to be left on that tablet of the curses, which was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But underneath the rest of those laws, which were the curses, was suppressed the rest of the laws of love. So they were still on those same tablets. It's just that that. Uh, a change of the suppression was was incurred by the actions of the people that sinned. And understanding that, and understanding how that by one man, and and then you know, the story goes on. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Now, a lot of people say, oh my God, Adam really transgressed. But no, he didn't. Not Adam, not Adam the man. According to the book of Timothy, it says very clearly there, Adam did not transgress, but that it was Eve. And according to the fifth chapter of the book of Genesis, Eve's name was also Adam. And a lot of people didn't realize this. So, Adam did not transgress, but Eve did. And her name at that time was also Adam. And there are just so many things like that that people are not aware of and they do not know. And a- a- Adam has been given bad press for a lot of, a lot of years. And they could, not even, uh, they could not even enjoy reading in, in the genealogy of Luke. And that when it ended, it says, and Adam, the son of God. They couldn't even enjoy reading that because there had been so much bad press, so much bad application that had been made that they failed to be able to discern the body of truth, the reality of truth. And, and it was to their own hurt. And thousands and millions of people have been hurt by not having a discerning of the body. And they've been sick and they've been weakly and they have died before their time because of that. Wow. And verse 17. Well, let's start with 16. And not as if it was one that sinned, so also, that's what it's meaning, is the gift, for the judgment was by one to, to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses under justification. So when Jesus came, that was the New Testament in His blood. 
And what was the Old Testament that had been in his blood before? Well, the Testament, which was uh, to bring judgment of the sins that, that preceded their ever being born on earth, a souled uh, human who prior had been an Ophanim and who had a soul, as I said. And so, understanding that, that was in his blood. That was the old covenant in his blood. Now the new covenant in his blood was not that judgment and that condemnation, but was because that had already been completed. That had already happened. Once he opened that up and, and made that available so that every Ophanim that was born as a, as a, as a human being, that every, every, every physical body of an Ophanim had in it the imprint in their genetics, in their DNA, of that, that sin that was not in the world at the time, because as I read to you, read to you uh, in the 12th verse, wherefore by one man sin entered into the world. It wasn't into the world before. It entered into the world. That was finished. That was the old, the old covenant. Jesus finished that. That was in his blood. That was in his life as Adam. And he did not sin. And when he ate of the fruit of the tree of, uh, of good and evil, he took on Eve's sins because he loved her and he did not want her to become separated from himself or from the, the plan of God for the uh, continuity of human lives that were to come out of their genes. So it's just a beautiful thing. And verse, uh, let me read this again, verse 18. Therefore, as by <clears throat> the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by righteousness of, of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Wow. And this is the eternal justification that I... I so often talk about because it is uh, it is so absolutely important. Now turn with me to Romans seven and look at uh, verse four. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law of the body of Christ, that ye should be that ye should be married. Uh, to another, even to him who is raised from the death, from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. You, you are, you are dead because you, the Lord's death is what you are incorporated into, and in this whole revelation of the the communion and 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 discerning the body is to discern that. That corporate body is, includes you. And that's the Lord's death. And that's what you have to be aware of because without that, the whole point of the sacrifice, the whole point of the death, the whole point of the offering is in vain. And what a damnation that would be. And what a trick of, of the powers and the principalities of the forces dark that that would be. 
for deception to cause a great revelation of salvation to be switched off by people thinking it was some frivolous other act and just have, you know, uh, uh, this inertia of their pity for, oh, Jesus suffered so much and he, and, and he, he went through so, oh, such awful torment. Oh, he must have loved us so much. Uh, yeah, that's all cute and that's all nice, but that is not the discerning of the body. That is not the real message. I don't think you need to worry too much about Jesus Christ and what he went through. And I'm going to show you the scriptures for that in just a little bit. I think you need to know the truth about this. Because if you don't know the truth, you miss out on the revelation. You miss out on the revelation. Wow. And we don't need that to happen. You don't need that to happen. Wow. Okay. Now, let's look at some scriptures while we're on this subject about Christ. Uh, let's look at First um, Corinthians uh, chapter 2. So get back to First Corinthians and, and let's uh, look at chapter 2. Okay? And we're, gonna, we're just going to read some things, uh, you know, that is very important. Now, um, first let's look at verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Ladies and gentlemen, before we came to this planet as human beings, took on mortal fleshly bodies, there was an ordination that has been hidden since the beginning of the foundations of the world, and, and the general public has not known, have not been aware of. And Paul says, we're speaking about that wisdom. This is not, is not the kind of wisdom that is common among the world and among the, the religious institutions on earth, those that are in the ecclesiastic realms. It's not common. But it says, we speak the, we speak the wisdom. We speak the wisdom. Among them that are perfect, that means perfect-minded, yet not the wisdom of this world that comes to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. There is something that belongs to our salvation. There is something that belongs to our justification, eternal justification. There is something that belongs uh, to the reconciliation, uh, to the transassimilation, to all of the things uh, that, that are in the enumeration uh, that apply uh, to uh, in provisions for us to be uh, uh, saved and, and born again from above. And then listen to verse 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew. The people who were religiously recognized as rabbis, the people who were in kingdomships and were no, uh, had nobilities, they did not know this. Even the wise men of those days did not know this. And what was it they didn't know? <clears throat> Well, what it was that they didn't know, none of the princes, 
none of the princes of this world knew. For if they had known, if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it even entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for them that love him, the glory that belongs to us from before the world. There's a glory that belongs to us that we are ordained to. And if that had been a living theme, and the minds of the wise men were wisened to understand that higher level of, of oracle manifestation, so they would never have crucified Jesus Christ. They wouldn't have crucified Him. Didn't have to happen that way. There's other ways that he could redeem him. He didn't. He he is not redeeming people like when they've sung sung the songs. There's power in the blood. Everybody has the idea because he was whipped. He was uh, he was pierced with thorns. He was pierced with a spear, uh, riveted in his side. Uh, nails were driven through him. That this was the blood. That was the blood of suffering. But the real blood that was redemptive was the, the blood of the life of Jesus. The living blood of life of Jesus. He didn't need to be crucified for the living blood of Jesus. The idea of the sacrifice is outdated. That belongs to the old law. And, 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 and people have, have painted such a picture. They have Jesus being lifted up to the cross as a snake which that's a total mistranslation of Numbers 21. Total mistranslation. Because there was two uh, uh, figures there. There was a seraph, which is a seraphim angel, and a snake. The seraphim angel having the foot on the top of the head of the snake, showing that it was conquered. Uh, which was a fulfillment of the prophecy in the book of Genesis about the, the, the serpent's head being bruised by the heel of the destined person, which, of course, was Christ. And this was how Jesus was being lifted up on the cross. Wow. And that's how he should have been portrayed if he were going to indeed do that. But there's been so many misdemeanor ways and, and, and uh, misconstrued and misconstructed ways. People have missed the ship, the gospel ship. There's a plan that's been set in place before the foundations of the earth. And there's, it's, it's got an ordination to it. And it, it contains a reconciliation through the Father for eternal justification of all the people who will recognize that Jesus Christ came as the selected anointed Messiah through whom we have this power of forgiveness to be applied. And even though we continue to live in our human uh, sinfulness, uh, we have immunity to it through Jesus Christ. Not that we're going to use that to to um, to develop this sinfulness, but just uh, as a covering of our sins. Wow! I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this is absolutely beautiful, powerful stuff. You know, 
the discerning of the body is so important. People have not discerned things. The Bible says without a vision that people perish. There's a lot, there's millions of people that have not discerned. They have not had discerning of the vision. That without that vision, the people perish. That's a major failing. And believe me, it ties into this revelation of the communion. With those people that are that are in failure to discern the body of Christ who have not examined themselves properly enough and who have also failed to come into the understanding of the power of this uh, and of discerning to recognize the full uh, magnitude of what the baptism of the dead is about. Wow. Wow. Now, turn with me to Revelations one thirteen. Revelations one thirteen. It's a beautiful scripture here. Here's what it says. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about with, with the paps, with a golden girdle. And this has to do with the revelation of Abraham's uh, bosom oracle. His head and his hair were white like wool. This connects uh, to the beautiful scripture uh, that is given in the book of Daniel. Chapter 7, verses 9 through 14, which the Father comes and appears as the Ancient of Days, his hair white and woolly. And then the Son of Man, the Son of God, comes to him and then is exonerated by the Father in that episode of uh, Daniel 7, 9 through 14. It's an absolutely beautiful thing, and it ties in to this revelation here. And out of his mouth went a, a sharp two-edged sword. The Father, the Son, and his countenance was as the sun shining in this in strength, Holy Spirit. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, "Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am the first and I am the last." Oh wow. This is the old and the, and, and the new covenant in the blood. The Adam and the Jesus Christ. I am the first and the last. I am the root and the offspring of David. Go to the churches, it says in, in, in uh, Revelations. Go to the churches. I sent an angel to the churches to, 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 to preach this, to tell this, that I am the root and the offspring. Because why did he send an angel to do this? Because it is so relevant. It is so absolute for the people to be able to discern the body. If they don't discern the body, and they just do this this communion, holy communion, uh, in the name of, of the body, not understanding what they are doing, then, then they are actually bringing damnation to their soul. How are they doing that? Well, by their, them missing the reconciliation 
Not, not that because they did this as an act that they get damned for it, but because they miss the opportunity by failing to recognize the gift of reconciliation, the gift of 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 eternal justification, all of the redemption, all of the offerings of God, they're missing it. And when they miss it, what is left but damnation? And because of this, many people are sick. Because of this, many people are weak. Because of this, many people die before their time. Wow. Let's go on with this. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet. Verse 17. We're reading from chapter, um, chapter 1 of Revelations. And behold, I am alive forevermore. <clears throat> wow. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. The keys of hell and the keys of death. And, and what I want to share with you, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> that in Jesus Christ, that in Jesus Christ, when you are buried in the baptism of death with Him, <clears throat> you also have the keys to hell and the keys to death. And that's why without recognizing that, without understanding that, you miss the power of eternal justification. You miss the power of reconciliation. You miss the power of redemption. Because once you get into that, you need to know that there is no situation where the powers of the forces of the principalities of darkness can lock you up into hell. Because you have the keys to hell. There is no episode where death can so bind you into some kind of, so, of solid uh, 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 sleep that, that is forever in, in a deathly slumber uh, of forgetfulness. Because you have the keys to death. You have them in your grasp through Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. Okay. Uh, turn with me to John. Um, oh, there's so much. I'm hoping that... Let, let, first, turn with me to Matthew 26.53. Matthew 26.53. Got a hustle here if I'm going to get this out. Matthew 26.53. Okay, this is quite neat. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he should presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Put up your sword, Peter. Put up your sword, disciples. Put up your ideologies, ladies and gentlemen, on the old style of Understanding the communion in the Eucharist. Put those up. <laughs> Jesus at any time that he would have wanted to could have called upon twelve legions of angels to come and redeem him, to separate, to loosen him from the Romans and the Jews who had ordered his crucifixion. 
That was in his power. That was in his in his hand. Wow. Now turn with me to John ten seventeen. John ten seventeen. I'm moving along because time is a flying us. John ten seventeen, okay? And let's read what this says. This is important. All right. Just a second here. <clears throat> okay. Therefore does my father doth my father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. It doesn't say I my father loves me because I'm laying down my life. <laughs> And that's what a lot of people in their minds think, that, that God loved him because he laid down his life. And when you do that, you strip the most important part of the whole statement. He loves me because I laid down my life so that I might take it again. Th this is such an important statement. He, he, he wanted to show everybody that no one could take his life. But he would lay down his life, allow his flesh to go into a state of death. But never to the point that rigor mortis would set in. Because it was already prophesied in Psalms that, that, that Jesus Christ, the Holy One of God, his body would never see corruption. And that was, that was also part of the New Testament prophecy. Rigor mortis would never set in. So he went into this state of death. And he, he, he did this for the purpose so that he could raise his body up from the state of death that people thought would be something permanent that nobody could do anything about. And that's why the Father loved him. Because he was showing, showing the world that there is a power of love, that there is a power of energy, that is a power uh, of actuation available uh, in, in the love and the grace and the glory of, of Jesus Christ through the Father. That is life that has the keys to death, that has the keys to hell. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of God. Wow. Whew. Let me read this other verse. Let me finish it. And I want you to get this. I want you to inscribe this into your brain. No man taketh it from me. What's he talking about? He's talking about his life. <coughs> I lay down my life. <coughs> Excuse me. I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me. But I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. This was a commandment from the Father. You are not to die on the cross except for just entering the state of death long enough while your spirit separates from you and goes into paradise. Remember, he said to the thief on the cross, This day shalt thou be with me in paradise. And then in the book of Peter, it says that he went into this paradise, which is a certain state 
uh, where where there is a, a waiting place for the um, regeneration possible possible regeneration or potential regeneration of spirits. And he preached to the to the spirits that were sometimes disobedient during the flood. Wow, and that is um, that can be found in uh, in First Peter. Um, I'm going to turn there in a little bit. Uh, we'll we'll read that because I think it's too important not to read. I, I want to read this again. No man can take my life from me. No man can no man can do that. It was not possible. It was impossible for anybody to take the life of Jesus. Impossible. And there's not been a discerning of the body. People have missed the discerning of the body. They've they've missed how, how can they be so so ignorant that this Jesus who raised people from the dead, people that are being carried on, on in their coffins to be buried. He raised them from the dead. People who had been buried and wrapped in mummy cloth, like Lazarus, been dead for days. He raised them from the dead. Come on, people. He had the keys to death. He had the keys to hell. No man could take his life from him. No man could take his life from him. No man. No man could take his life. Could not do it. He laid down his life and he gave up the ghost, which allowed his body to be put into a state of death. But not long enough for even rigor mortis to set in, which does not take very long. <laughs> oh, my Lord, people have not discerned the body and therefore have brought damnation because to the extent that they have not discerned the body, they have missed out on the revelation of the keys to death and having the keys to hell. They have missed out on the revelation of eternal justification and all of the things that are applicable uh, with people being involved in the blood of Christ, being baptized in the blood of Christ, which was his life, not the blood upon the cross. Wow. Wow. That is so beautiful and so very, very, very important. So beautiful and so important. Whew. Turn with me. Um, let me see. I read that one to you here. Okay. Uh, okay. Turn, turn with me then to Peter. Uh, chapter, uh, let's see. Uh, chapter 4, I believe it is. Uh, no, chapter 3. Chapter 318. 1 Peter 318. All right. Here's what it says. Verse 18. For, for, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached under the spirits in prison, which were sometimes disobedient, 
in the long-suffering of God, once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, people have not discerned that we have we have power. We have power that has been given us in Christ. According to the, one of the books of John, it says we have the power to make a petition. And in that petition, ask for life and forgiveness of sins. And this is even for people that have died. It's sort of like the, 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 the scripture in Corinthians that talks about the baptism of the dead. You know, what do, what do we do if, if there's not a baptism of the dead? 1 Corinthians 15, 28-29. 1 Corinthians 15, 28-29. What do we do? Because there's baptism of the dead. Is this baptism in, in the death of the blood of the new covenant, of, 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 in the blood of Jesus? And we can bring those people, even though even though the spirits have gone on, there is a very um, thin curtain between the the boundary land of those that are living in the fleshly bodies and those that are are, are uh, have deceased and are now living just in their spirit. But those people that are living in their spirit, they have cognizance. They have many of them have memory. And these certain memories last for a certain period of time. And I want to read you some scriptures on that. But first, let's look, finish with Peter here. Wow. And But, but just before we go on to that, uh, this thing about for Christ has once, uh, has once offered for sins. Let's make sure we get that straight by, don't lose your place in Peter, but by reading Hebrews 9.26. Reading Hebrews 9.26 sort of gives you an answer to, to that so that you'll be sure you get it right. Um, because in that scripture, uh, 9.26 where, uh, and 27, where it says, um, uh, it says, And as it, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Um, that is um, an error in translation because... What happened when they were translating the text uh, in Greek to Latin, the Greek text has once before men instead of after. So it's appointed uh, once unto men to die, then judgment. Uh, and everybody, good or bad, are going to be judged. And, and so that totally changes this thing about uh, it just being once to die. Because that's not what it says. It is a point uh, uh, once in demand to die, then the judgment. Uh, they just they they switch, uh, messed up the syntax between uh, the Greek and the Latin, and that's that's what happened with that. And the same application is true in this other scripture I was reading to you in Peter. Okay, now let's go back. Let's go back to Peter, um, and let's uh, let's finish. Uh, try to finish this. There is so much to cover. We'll just have to do our best um, uh, as we are uh, running out of time. Okay. Uh, verse 19. By which, 
Also, he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedience uh, were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, which was like a hundred years. So, there's a place where where spirits are held, and these spirits have cognizance, and you can preach to them, and they can understand you, and you can minister unto them. And Jesus didn't go there to say, I told you so, this is what you got. This for no, that's not what Jesus went there for. Jesus went there to offer them uh, salvation and eternal justification. That's why he went there. And that's what he was doing, and that's what he was calling paradise. Because there's an upper paradise and a lower paradise, and that was lower paradise. And that's where that man was to go with Jesus. That day from the cross, wow, I hope you're listening to this. Now, just to verify this thing about how, uh, how real this thing is in the spirit world, turn with me to, to uh, 1 Samuel. Turn with me to 1 Samuel uh, 28. 1 Samuel 28. And let me just go through that real fast. And I know this is a lot of Scripture, but, uh, I mean, you know, this is the Word of God. Okay? Now, um, 1, Samuel 20, 1 Samuel 28 uh, reads uh, like this. Um, where are we at here? Okay, next page. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, 28 verse 3. There we go. All right. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in, in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had uh, put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in, in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in, in Galboa. And when Saul um, saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by the prophets. Then said Saul unto the servants, Seek me a woman that has a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment. And he went, and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and, sa and he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me up uh, him whom I shall name unto you. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul has done, how that he has cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Paul sware to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. And the king said, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said, I saw gods 
ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known to me what I should do. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then didst thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee, and is become thine enemy? And the Lord has done uh, to him as he spake by me, for the Lord has rent the, the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David, because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executeth his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore has the Lord done this thing unto thee. Moreover, the Lord will deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow thou uh, shalt thou and thy sons be with me, and the Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the land of the Philistines. Now, there is an example of how there is a place of abode where people for a time have a retention, uh, which in manifest teaching is called debris. And, and uh, there is a possibility of communication. Uh, even in death, there's a recognition that these are just not spirits of animals. Because the Bible says in Job, the spirit of the beast goes downward, but the spirit of man goes upward. So there is a uh, uh, an appreciation of, of a major difference between the spirit of an animal and the spirit of, of, of a human being, because the spirit of the humans have souls. And and they have a recognition, and they have this this uh, uh, continued living in the spirit realm. And so there is this reasonable and and wanted uh, example by the, by the Lord that has provision made provisions for the baptism of the dead, uh, for the for the bringing uh, a resolution, a petition, uh, and, and remembering. Hey, I pray, I try to pray every day uh, for people that I know in that are people from family connections or friends that have died and passed on. And I will pray and I will mention their names to the Lord and I'll ask God to forgive them of their sins. I ask God uh, uh, to, to um, uh, give them a, a peace of their spirit and happiness. Uh, I have a whole prayer that I do along those lines uh, for these people almost every day. Uh, you know, remembering them because they are real. They are alive. They are they they, they uh, are just as alive as you are now, except they have shed their earthly body. But in time, they'll probably be regenerated into another earthly body. And in the meanwhile, praying for them can make all the difference of their regeneration. And, and you have the power, according to the Bible, that the only sin that cannot be forgiven, according to this this uh, revelation in the Book of John. Uh, is is uh, uh, if they have uh, sinned against the Holy Spirit. But other than that, uh, you have the power to be able to pray and ask for uh, a petition for their forgiveness. And, and that's Bible, ladies and gentlemen. That's the Word of God. And, 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 uh, and, he, and here it is in the fifth chapter of the first of 1 John.
And for five, uh, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 14, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, according to His will, He hears, he hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know we have a petition uh, that we desire of Him. If any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall, and what that means is talking about spiritual death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life. For them that sin unto death, there is a sin unto death. I do not say he should pray for it. Uh, and they're talking about that that that, that death that is the is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So these people could be in a state of of death, uh, but not the death of of being cut off by the Holy Spirit. And and you can pray for them. You have the right to pray for them. This this is just one scripture. There there are there are other. Uh, scriptures, but as you know, kinsman redeemer, uh, you have the right to do these things and, and to to provide these things. Um, oh, there is uh, there is uh, so much more uh, that can uh, that can be said. You know, uh, we could get more into the resurrection uh, of the um, you know of the. But let's let's read this one scripture real fast. Uh, Acts two twenty seven. Turn with me to Acts two twenty seven. And uh, we're going to have to fold this up. Uh, we're coming to the close here. 2.27. Um, here is what it says. Um, um, this, verse 26. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And so Jesus never saw rigor mortis. Uh, he he uh, had laid down his life uh, during that time that his body uh, um, was vacated by the spirit. He gave up the ghost. The, the ghost spirit went down into the lower paradise. He preached to the people, sometimes disobedient during the times of, of, of Noah's flood, uh, and to deliver those people uh, from that judgment and to offer them uh, eternal justification. And... and uh, uh, don't give up on the living. Uh, don't give up on the dead. Uh, the power of of discerning is far-reaching. And if you really discern the body of Christ and the power of of the um, the the justification of of, of the the life blood of Jesus as He lived, and Jesus said, uh, "Listen to me, people." Uh, you know, this is scripture. This is important. Uh, anyone that denies that uh, that Jesus, and this was by the Holy Spirit in another scripture, anybody that denies that Jesus came uh, in the flesh is an antichrist. If you deny that Jesus came in the flesh, if you don't, and, and you can ignorantly deny it, you can be like those um, those uh, people on uh, on uh, uh, at Athens uh, that ignorantly. Uh, built an altar unto the unknown God. And and Paul said, you do ignorantly worship the God that I serve. Uh, people are ignorantly doing things without realizing, without it getting applied to their benefit and salvation. And so this message today is is is, is the power of discerning that that coming into this fruitfulness of of, of the of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Uh, and God has raised up in this time 
you know, uh, an, an opening for for the uh, holy manifest word uh, to be uh, edified and 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 to be exalted uh, as it is being uh, taught at this time, so that there can be uh, a deeper salvation that has ever been uh, understood and, and 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 a deeper benefit that has ever been received. Uh, praise be the name of God. We're going to take a short time here uh, for Gentile. And uh, and uh, oh, what I had come to me earlier uh, was that there were, um, there were uh, uh, people, uh, and I don't know who these people are, uh, but these are individuals that, um, that are lacking serotonin. And uh, you know, serotonin is a... Uh, it's, it's, an, it's an important. It's concentrated in the neurons, and uh, uh, it uh, even has a, an effect in the nucleus of the brain stem. And uh, it, it, it does a lot of things. It, uh, it's involved in inducing sleep. It has uh, an induction to sensory perception. Uh, it's involved in temperament. Uh, it uh, has a power of regulation and control of mood. Uh, it uh, it it uh, is also um, uh, has the capability to send blood to the small blood vessels. So I'm going to ask that for those people out there in the listening audience that have a need for serotonin uh, to be released into their bodies, that uh, that through Gentile here, that the hormone system will begin to to uh, introduce and release the amount of serotonin that they need. Uh, here we go. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic, to the sympathetic neural transmission system, to the cerebellum, to the white core brain tissue, tissue in the spinal column. Begin to send uh, messages to the hormone uh, system uh, to release into the body. Uh, of those people that that uh, uh, are shorted of the amount of serotonin that they need, and begin to um, uh, cause this uh, energy to flow and this this uh, conditioning uh, uh, to occur uh, immediately as this word is being um, elevated uh, into the mind and accentuating um, through all the neural network. Uh, if there's any inhibitors, if there's any blockers, if there's any messages in the body that are blocking the receptors, uh, that are blocking this actuation, we cancel that right now. Let this process begin. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of God. We love you, our friends. We thank you for listening here today and for being on board. This Word of God is going forward. And these teachings are bringing people into an overcoming life and fitting them for a new and wonderful vision with which they never need to perish. God bless you. Amen.